welcome. Uh, I just thought it might be easy because I'm going to sort of uh, uh, move towards these three questions that I think God gave me for us to ask to Jesus. So I just thought I'd start off with them. Just in case you want to save some time, you can just talk to Jesus while I'm speaking and you don't have to mess with listening to me. And I, it's kind of a joke and kind of not a joke because uh, we believe that God speaks and he speaks to his children and that's us if we're in Christ. So uh, let me just give you these three questions and you can scribble them down or let them just float in the front of your brain. Number one, Jesus, how are you inviting me to come to you today? Jesus, how are you inviting me to come to you this day. That has to do with posture before the Lord. Secondly, Jesus, uh, where are you sending me during this season of my life? Jesus, where are you sending me during this season of my life? And that has to do with to whom you're being sent to be a proclaimer and a demonstrator of the good news of the kingdom. And then uh, finally, Jesus, how is it that you want me to continue your ministry in the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, how is it that you want me, and we're not talking about me, we're talking about you, me, to continue your ministry in the power of the Holy Spirit? Those will be back up on the screen a little bit later in the message. Those will be out on the notes on the website, but I just thought it was important for you to, to, to hear where we're headed so that you can filter what you hear through those questions that I think God's giving to us to ask Jesus very specifically. Um, do you know that uh, phrase, they get you coming and going? Is that, that's a popular phrase out there. Kind of, it's a bad connotation, right? It's like the idea that they make you pay when you get in and they make you pay when you get out. Reminds me of Disney World if you've ever been there. <laughs> you know, it's usually a bad thing. They get you coming and going. But I think the gospel is sort of like that in a good way. Jesus gets us coming and going. I mean, when Jesus calls us to himself, he gets us. Not only does he understand us, but he embraces us. He gets us. He's surrounding us. And when Jesus sends us, he gets us. So he knows when he sends you out to do something that feels impossible to you, he's got you. So I just thought about the theme of this message being Jesus gets us coming and going. Um, and, and not in the way that he takes things from us that we didn't want to give, but that he gives things to us that we never knew we needed. That Jesus gets us coming and going. He calls us to himself. He sends us from himself to others. And he empowers us with the Holy Spirit to be a, a proclaimer and a demonstrator of the gospel. We come to him and he's got us. We walk with him and he's got us. He sends us and he's got us, and that's really good. So I encourage you, if you have a Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. If you don't have one and want one or need one today, there are some up on the speakers here, or use your device. Some of this will be up on the screen. Matthew chapter 4, and we'll be reading verses 12 to 23. Just a little bit of context here. This is the story of the beginning of the ministry of Jesus in Galilee. So this is Matthew's version. John has another version where there's some other things that happened in the time frame. But this is Matthew's version of Jesus calling the first disciples right after the ministry of John the Baptist. So John the Baptist has fulfilled his ministry to call people to repentance. Remember, I spoke a few weeks ago 
John was calling people to repentance and to be baptized as a symbol of their cleansing. And, and John was proclaiming, I'm not the Messiah, but there's one coming after me. I'll baptize with water. He'll baptize with the Holy Spirit. And remember, there's that scene at the baptism of Jesus where the uh, heavens open, the voice of the Lord comes down, and he, and he hears this voice, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And then the dove, the Holy Spirit comes down like a dove and rests upon Jesus and anoints and empowers Jesus for all the ministry that he's about to have, including the ministry of sacrifice, death, and resurrection. So, Jesus is calling his disciples, and he's making some, we'll read it, but some strange promises and beginning his own ministry of proclamation and demonstration. So we're going to read from Matthew 4. I, I sort of toyed with taking the first few verses out, especially thinking about Eric trying to figure out how to spell all these funny place names. But you know what I decided? That there's a reason that all of these place names, this description of where Jesus began his ministry is there. And, and one of the reasons is it fulfills a prophetic word from Isaiah. But another reason is it gives us a picture of these are real people. This is a real place. This is like, you know, trying to explain to someone how to get to, I don't know, Arcadia. Sorry, John. Like, you know, it's kind of up here, and then you go left and go south. Don't blink and, you know, all that stuff. Okay. Enough. Let's read the scriptures. Matthew 4, 12 to 23. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulon and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah, land of Zebulon and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. And they were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother, John. They were in a boat with their father, Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately, I just love that word, immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. That's the word of the Lord this morning. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you um, for calling normal people like us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for preserving this story so that we know what happened and we can walk into it. And God, Father, we ask that you would... Um, Help us to imagine this and to be in it and to hear the voice of Jesus for ourselves this morning. We pray in his name. Amen. 
So uh, this is the calling and the sending of the disciples. And I just want to say right from the get-go, the calling and the, dis- and the sending of disciples has not stopped. It's still going on. The teaching and the healing ministry of Jesus has not stopped. It's still going on. Jesus is still calling people to follow him. Jesus is still sending people to go and fish for people. He's still proclaiming good news of the kingdom. Jesus is still saying, everywhere we see it, I can rule and reign in in the lives of normal people. I can be your king, and you can follow me. He's still healing disease and sickness. And I don't mean that all those things are happening sort of out there in a general way. I mean all those things are still happening right here. Let the reader see. He's pointing to his own heart. Those things are still happening right here. Jesus has us coming and going. So the the very first thing that Jesus says to these kind of unwary disciples, if you've watched The Chosen, um, obviously it's not, not, you know, perfect uh, Holy Spirit, everything perfect, but you get a great picture of what it might have been like for a doofus, I mean, a disciple named Peter like us, to say, what? (laughs) What's going on here? The very first thing that Jesus says to these unwary disciples is, come, follow me. That's the the first command they hear. Invitation, command, yes. Come and follow me. He calls them to know and to be known by him. He calls them away from a lifestyle they know to a brand-new lifestyle. He gives them a new way to live, and he gives them a new reason to live. He releases in them a new authority and a new power. Maybe the most shocking thing, he trusts them. He entrusts his life and his message and his power and his spirit to them as disciples. He communicates to them a whole new concept of love, unconditional love and acceptance. He expects that they will come willingly, respond immediately, and completely. And you know what? At least at the beginning, they do it. They're, you know, you just have to wonder, I mean, obviously he's God, right? But he's man, and even John the Baptist, Jesus' own cousin, was not completely sure about how all that was working out. But what was it about the man Jesus that when he looked at them, And he said those words, come follow me, they tossed everything aside. They left their father, they left their boats, they left their nets. What was it? Something captured them. uh, Heather, I just loved the way Heather spoke um, last week about the worth of Jesus and the way that worth keeps us there in his presence. Jesus does all that same stuff for us not just in our initial, initial salvation experience, but daily and constantly. So I want us to hear this this morning. Jesus may have called you, come and believe and, and follow me. And you may have made a decision some point in your life, but Jesus never stops saying those words to us. Every single day, Jesus says, come to me. Every day, Jesus says, come to me. Every day, Jesus says, follow me. Go where I go. You know, in uh, John 5.19, Jesus is kind of defending his ministry with his disciples and others. And he says, even I, the Son of Man, can only do what I see the Father doing. 
So Jesus is like, I'm with the Father every day because I don't want to do what he's not doing because I need him in the same way that we need Jesus. So the question, how is Jesus inviting you to come to him today? It may be that you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You've never sort of made that first, I, I believe that you're the son of God, that you died on the cross for my sins, that you rose from the dead, and that you cleanse me with your forgiveness. If, if that's where you are, then I'll just say it boldly. Come to Jesus today. Ask Jesus to come and to forgive your sin and to change you. Maybe you have done that at some point along the way. The question is, how is Jesus asking you to come to him now? What posture is he asking you to take in your times with him? What about daily practices? Maybe, you know, as we've talked about uh, a lot of times as staff and elders, and I encourage the church to ask God for a word or a picture or a phrase that would sort of frame our lives for the next year. How is he asking you to come to him? I'm not going to give you examples because Jesus wants to answer that question. How is it? Okay, I'm going to give you examples. <laughs> is it silence? Is it worship? Is it more time in the scripture? Is it more time in nature? Is it worship dance? Is it playing music? Is it weeping? How is he asking you to come to him? Jesus has us coming and going. So how does he want you to come to him this morning? And right there after that phrase, so that, you know, the, these four disciples just get the very, you know, like he just said come, and they're like, well, okay, follow me. Okay, I guess you're a rabbi and we're disciples. This is going to be awkward in the community, you know. <laughs> People are not going to know why the fishermen have been, you know, connected with this guy. And then Jesus says, I will send you out to fish for people. There's no bait and switch, no pun intended. There's no bait and switch with Jesus, honestly. He says, come and follow me. And his very next words are, by the way, it's not going to be comfortable because I'm sending you out. And he says, I'm going to go out and send you to fish for people. I love that um, episode of The Chosen where Peter is trying to figure out his calling. And I think he's talking to his brother or something. And he, and he says, he told me, you know, perfect American accent, whatever. He's like, he told me I'm going to fish for people. And he goes, I don't even know what that means. They couldn't have known what that meant, that Jesus was saying, come and follow me, and I'm sending you back out. Like, what does that even mean? I'm calling you to me, Jesus says, so that I can send you to others. I'm calling you to me so that I can turn around and send you to others. They hear it from the beginning. I'm going to give you a new line of work. I'm going to give you a new way to live. Jesus has done the same for us. He has called us to himself. And though I think that's love and not just production, I don't think, I mean, it's too much in the New Testament that says we're not hired as laborers. We're called as sons and daughters. And yet from that relationship of love, Jesus says, one of my purposes in calling you is so that I could send you to others. You must come to me, you must follow me, and you must go. Jesus is sending us every single day of our lives. Jesus is sending us to our families, 
Jesus sends us to our coworkers. He sends us to our neighborhood. He sends us to our family members, to our parents, to our children. He sends us to our friends. He sends us to people that we can't stand. He sends us to people we can't stand. He sends us to our enemies. He sends us to people who are, uh, who are naturally different than us. He sends us to the poor. He sends us to the comfortable. He sends us to one another to continue his ministry in the power of the Holy Spirit. He calls us to him and to follow, but he turns us right around and says, now I'll be with you, but I'm sending you to go. Where is Jesus sending you right now? This doesn't necessarily need to be a new calling. I mean, who knows? God might give new callings today. But do you know in this season of your life, where is Jesus sending you? Notice that I didn't say, where do you want him to send you? Because that's not what he said. Where is Jesus sending you in this season of your life? Jesus has us coming and going. Where does he have you going right now? Where does he have you planted? Where has he released you with authority? When uh, Jane and I were first missionaries of 100 or 200 years ago, we uh, went to uh, Europe and we were ministering to refugees. We'd both had some experience in Eastern Europe, and so we really thought that God was calling us to these East European refugees. And um, I lived in Romania for a summer, and I spoke a little bit of the language, and so I thought... God's calling us in all these refugees to Romanians. And this is the great thing that God's going to do. The first refugees that we met were from Iran. I, you know, I'm like, God, uh, Romanian, not Iranian. This is like 1988-89. Iran and the United States didn't have a big pal relationship at that point. Iran and Iraq were in a war. People were fleeing. People were being killed. We're like, What? <laughs> All of a sudden, these Iranians gather around us. They probably gathered around Jane, and I tried to say, hey, over here. <laughs> Flowing mustaches and glittering eyes. And, and God gave us two people of peace in the Iranian community. And so we made friends with these two, Matthew and Shaheen, and all of a sudden, every Iranian that came into the refugee camp met us. And a Bible study started in our little apartment, and Iranians started meeting Jesus. Why? Because we knew where we were going and what we were doing? No, because he sent us. Because Jesus sent us. Not because we knew anything about Islam, not because we had super, you know, perfect knowledge of everything and could talk them into the kingdom. No, Jesus sent us with his power. And then just to make it easy, he'd show up in dreams, visions, heal people. We're like, okay, I guess it's Iranians. You know, that um, beginning of that passage, after all those place names that I read this morning, it says, it, it quotes from Isaiah, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. These people were living in darkness. They were living in and coming out of the shadow of death. And here's the reality, not to put too fine a point on it. The people to whom God is sending you are living in darkness. They might live in Fishers or Westfield or Broad Ripple or whatever, 
They might, you know, live in a beautiful, amazing place. They might have everything they need. The reality is without Jesus, they're living in darkness. And they're living in the shadow of death because death's on the other side of this for them if they don't meet the light of Jesus. And so for these people to whom God sent us when we didn't know what we were doing, the light of Jesus became their lives. The light of Jesus became their lives. And he's still doing it. He's still sending us to those people who are living in darkness. We need to come to Jesus every day so that we can go with him every day because he's with us every day. Um, a couple years after that first experience, we ended up through a series of rather unpleasant events back in the town where I grew up. Who loves to go back to their hometown? <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes not so much. So we came back, and I thought, we at least thought, well, we'll find a really vibrant, charismatic church where there's power of God and glory dust everywhere, you know. We ended up in a very formal Episcopal church out in the country. You know why? Because Jesus sent us. I mean, I, I didn't understand it for quite some time, and I bucked against it for quite some time. But you know what happened in the end of that is some of those uh, very formal uh, Episcopalians met Jesus in our living room. Why? Because he sent us. Not because we had a great strategy or plan or mission, but because Jesus said, I'm planting you here. You've come to me. You're following me. You don't know what you're doing, so I'm sending you. And I'll be with you. And things happened. Jesus has us coming and going. And the question is, where does he have you going right now? Is there a specific place? Is there a people? When you walk out of your front door, the, the 1, 2, 12, or 30 houses that you can see, uh, on, upon which of those houses can you just kind of see the sense that God's calling you to, to, to communicate the gospel to those people, to proclaim the good news, to be the good news? The end of that uh, passage I read, uh, Matthew 4, 23, says, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. So Jesus calls us to himself, come and follow me, and then he sends us, after being with him, to others so we can take him with us. And Jesus continues to proclaim and demonstrate the good news of the kingdom through us, through you and through me. One of the values of this church over there, supernatural lifestyle, one of the values of this church is a supernatural lifestyle. Not we like sort of flex in the spirit and try to do great mighty things, but no, we continue the mission of Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. In the same way that a few weeks ago we talked about how did Jesus do all the miraculous things that he did? Because he was the Son of God? No, though he was. Because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Because the Spirit came down and rested. And from God's pleasure and the Spirit's power, he went out and started to bring the kingdom, the rule and the reign of Jesus. Well, Jesus is still doing that through us. We are those people. Now, you might be thinking, yeah, but that's those other people. 
that's like the David Bradbury's or the Nick Canes or that's somebody else out, the Heathers, you know. They get all the mystical stuff and they do the power zapping and stuff like that. I don't think so. I think this is just a normal part of our lives as Christians. I don't think we get to, can, have to, or are even able to make it happen. But Jesus is still continuing his ministry. The, the rule and the reign of Jesus, the proclamation of the good news, and the demonstration of the good news with power, and he's doing it through us. It's interesting. You know, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit decided together that the best way to keep the ministry of Jesus going was to give it to us. They, you know, Jesus could have maybe just replicated, you know, it could have been just a million sons of God in some sort of miraculous way, and then they go out and do it. Well, he kind of did that in us. We're the children that he sends out with his authority and with his commission, with his power, with his love, forgiveness, I mean, that's our ministry. We are now the body of Christ. We are the hands of Jesus that touch the sick and bring healing. We're the feet of Jesus that walk into situations where only God's power can make true and lasting change. We're the voice of Jesus proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. You know what that is? God's near. And he loves you, and it's the time of the favor of God. You can be forgiven. You can be healed. You can be changed. We're the face of Jesus when we look at the depressed and the hopeless and the anxious and the self-assured and the proud. We're the face of Jesus. We're also the faith of Jesus that brings the power and the love of God into places where there's sickness and disease, and hopelessness. Jesus has us coming and going. His ministry is in, and it's through you, and it's in, and it's through me. So the question is, how is Jesus inviting you to continue his ministry in your life? Have you noticed recently that you're coming cr across a lot of people who are sick, who are depressed, who are lonely, who are uh, having mental health challenges, who are anxious, who are cocky, you know, whatever. Are, have, have you just noticed, oh, wow, it seems like everywhere I go, I see somebody limping. That might be an invitation to pray for the leg to be healed. You, you notice everywhere you go, oh, I've got all these people dealing with suicidal things, you know. Can you recognize that as much as you maybe don't want that ministry, maybe God's inviting you into a ministry to speak hope to the hopeless, to announce the good news of the kingdom? What situations, opportunities, coincidences do you find God allowing to cross your path? And though I said there were only three questions, maybe the fourth one is, and what are you going to do about it? Not in an condemning, accusatory, oh my gosh, three points, three questions, Randy's really assaulting me this morning. No, probably in one of those, Jesus himself is speaking to you. And just, you know, when he leads, he leads with light, right? The enemy leads with darkness. The king leads with light. 
So just remember that, you know, when, when condemnation comes down, that's the bad guy. <laughs> when invitation pops up and your head pops up, that's the good guy. That's Jesus saying, hey, look, look at this. We simply must come to Jesus every day. It's not just a one-time lifestyle change. It's a daily activity to come to Jesus. We dare not go out without coming to him first. Because when we come to him, that's where our assignments come from. That's where our insight comes from. That's where our power and our authority. And honestly, the wherewithal to love the world comes from being in his presence who so loved the world that he gave himself for it. But once we come to Jesus, we simply have to go. We simply have to respond to his sending. I was probably pastor at this church for 12 or 15 years before I realized, I mean, I think I knew it and probably preached it, but before I realized Jesus meets me in my quiet times and then when I leave the quiet time, he goes with me. For so long, I had this feeling like, wow, I encounter God in this beautiful place. I cry, I weep, I pray, and then I think, well, I guess I'm on my own now. And I'd walk out of my quiet time. I'd walk out of the church or wherever and think, it's all up to me now. In case that is the lie from the P-O-H that you're hearing, pit of hell, let's just reject that one now. When Jesus sends you with his power and his word, he goes with you. You are never alone. He, he will send us to places to do things that we can never do without him. The great thing about that is we are never without him. That's the promise. And the places he sends us will require his message and his love and his power. So I want to take just the last few minutes, and I just want us to ask these questions to Jesus. So if you have something to write on, you want to pull your phone out or an iPad or close your eyes, Wesley's going to come up and play some contemplative <laughs> uh, music. And I just before we go into a larger ministry time, I just want you to listen to Jesus himself. John 10, 27, Jesus says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. It is our inheritance as God's children, fully paid for and fully given to hear the voice of the shepherd, to know and be known by the shepherd, to follow the shepherd wherever and however he leads. So let's just take some time. You can close your eyes or open your eyes. It doesn't matter. We're just going to ask Jesus these questions, and I'm going to give you some time to listen. Jesus, how are you inviting me to come to you right now? How are you inviting me to come to you right now? if there's any invitation that Jesus has issued to you and you know it and you've not yet RSVP'd. You know, like the Evite that's sitting in your inbox. I don't think Jesus wants to hear maybe. Is there any invitation that he's given you 
that you've not yet responded to. where are you sending me right now? Is there a place? Is there a people group? Is there a workspace? Is there a gym? Is there a grocery store? Jesus, where are you sending me right now? second question, where are you sending me? There may be some of us who recognize even when I was speaking, oh, I didn't realize I'm exactly where you've called me to be. And there's something beautiful about the repentance when we come to Jesus and say, I will stay where you've called me and I'll stop trying to run to another place. Some of us this morning is just the invitation to accept our calling our location, our place, our space, our season. And finally, last question, Jesus, how do I continue your ministry at this season of my life? How do I proclaim the good news of the gospel in this season of my life? to my children, to my spouse. And will you accept today, will you accept today the commission of Jesus to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, to pray for the sick, to cast out the demons, to proclaim the year of God's favor. So I invite you to, to, to ponder those, take those out of this day and into the week with you. Nick's maybe got some other words of encouragement or some ministry, and then um, when he's done, we'll ask the ministry team to come forward and we'll, we'll pray for each other. test all this. Got some words for you guys. And if anything hits home, come up for some ministry time. Uh, so beloved, cherished local church, today is an important day of decision for some of you. And today I am asking some of you to draw a line in the sand and say enough is enough. Today is the day that I fully choose to follow the Lord Almighty. This is the invitation that I, the Lord Almighty, have extended to some of you.
surrender yourself and everything and everyone to me. Surrender completely and watch me completely set you free and completely redeem and repair and restore you and your family and your life. Remember John 10.10 10, um, about how the enemy wants to uh, come. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Surrender yourself and your life completely and be amazed at how I redeem you and just bring in a life that is just more abundant than you could possibly imagine. Then we have another word. So the Lord is preparing us and sending us on a great adventure that's going to take our faith. It's going to take faith on our part. But there's some good news. Uh, that faith was already imparted today through Randy's message. Um, so uh, with the faith that you have, you're going to be victorious over anything uh, that comes against you as you step into uh, whatever was brought to your heart or mind as Randy was talking. Okay, let's stand. I could ask the ministry team to come forward. Um, Any of those words or anything that you you feel God is stirring, I would encourage you to respond to God's stirring by saying yes. Come forward and have somebody uh, pray with you. We also will have personal prayer art today. So over on this side, if that's uh, another way for you to hear from the Lord, if you want to go over there and uh, people will pray and they'll listen and draw a picture and a way that we can hear from God. So let me pray for us, and if you want to come forward for prayer anytime. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for faith as a gift. Thank you for uh, moments of demarcation. Thank you for threshold times. And for those of us in a threshold time today, we ask God grace and faith to step over, to walk in, and to say yes to you. Holy Spirit, will you come and lead us and guide us? and then send us into the world with your love and power. In Jesus' name, amen. Come forward if you'd like prayer. Otherwise, pray with one another. Go out to the artist's uh, reception, get personal prayer art, and go in peace.